Thanks for joining us for season four of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. Thanks for that uh, fantastic, kind intro, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we're the personalities behind the branded strategic hospitality group team and all things everything. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Jimmy, before we get started, let me just do a, a plug real quick for something we've been working on, and it's, and it's launched, and it's live, and I think everyone's loving it so far. It's the branded marketplace. Jimmy, the branded marketplace is a platform that you can go to, it's free for any operator, for anybody in the restaurant hospitality space, you go to and you find the best in class solutions that are solving every operator's problems today. And there, there are so many, and there are so many great companies on the marketplace. I encourage everyone listening to check it out. It's thebrandedmarketplace.com. If you're selling something or you wanna find a great channel to sell it through, you got to email us at marketplace at brandonstrategic.com and get on this platform. Jimmy, have you been on it? Have you checked it out? I have been on it. And I have to say, from a self-promotional standpoint, Shatsy, you're doing an outstanding job. Outstanding oh, job. Do you like the colors? <laughs> do, you love, do you love everything about it? I love everything about it. And I love the community that we're building with the marketplace. What do you love most? Tell me one thing you love most. One, one thing I love, both, love most. I love that we have already have almost 200 technology companies that are all operator centric right now, visible um, and, and, and ready and willing to connect with operators who wish to leverage tech to improve their stores. I love the operator centric nature of the entire community. I only ask you for one thing, Jimmy, oh, just one. Yeah. I only ask you one thing. You, uh, like. you know, I don't, you know, I don't just do one thing. But anyway, are you, are anyway, you, are you yes. good? Are you good? We got to guess. I'm, are you I'm good? good. So check out the brandedmarketplace.com, everybody. There you go. Well done, Shatsy. Well done. Listen, we're very excited uh, today uh, for uh, for the episode and our special guest, uh, Misha uh, Majid. Uh, co-founder, co-CEO, Mighty Quinn's Barbecue, and a very good friend of ours. I'd also like to say, and we're going to get more into this later, uh, but on a very personal level, my father's favorite New York City barbecue joint. More to come on that later, though. What's his favorite? What's his favorite thing? His favorite thing? We're going ribs, baby. He just likes the big oh, loves ribs. The loves rib. the ribs. I love the ribs, too. And the mac and cheese, but he loves the ribs. Yeah, the mac and cheese is, is so gooey and delicious. We're going to talk well, about let's, let's get into it, yeah. We're going to talk about that. But first, Misha, let us have you please take the lead. Uh, give us a quick intro on yourself, your background, and also an introduction to Mighty Quinn's Restaurants. Very excited and appreciate you being on the show with us. Guys, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate uh, the invitation. So yeah, I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of Mighty Quinn's. Uh, we are a fast, casual restaurant group uh, serving authentic slow-smoked barbecue, mainly in New York and New Jersey. Uh, but as we'll probably talk about later, we'll be expanding into some new markets um, with our team of amazing franchisees. Uh, personally, I started off uh, in the investment banking world doing M&A for uh, J.P. Morgan before moving on to the hedge fund world. Oh, see, that's why Jimmy likes you so much. I knew, I knew Jimmy, I knew there was something why we had this guy on. It's not about the mighty Quins. It is about mighty Quins. He is a recovering Wall Streeter just like myself, taking all the okay. skills and all the things we learned and applying it in the industry we now both love. Uh, it, all comes, all right. it all comes back to finance. <laughs> 
is that, is that the whole intro? That's it. So now, I, I mean, I got to get back into it. So from financial analyst, from financial analyst, I mean, I, I mean, we spoke a little bit before Misha. I mean, you also had a, um, a product that we loved in the restaurants, uh, uh, you know, bulldog gin. So, I mean, you've been, you've been a finance guy, but you've touched in hospitality. So it's somehow in your blood. Give us a little bit more about your professional journey, how you finance guy, you're a gin guy, and now you're a barbecue guy. <laughs> yeah, it's not the typical path. So, you know, when I was doing M&A at JP Morgan, I was a generalist. So we looked at all industries. And then in, in my hedge fund days, I was also a generalist. We invested across the capital structure and a diversity of industries. You know, I always had an affinity for the consumer side of things because you can just look at it through, you know, a consumer lens. You yourself are the customer which is a little different than like a B2B company where you're probably not the buyer or the customer. So just having affinity for consumer brands. Yeah, Bulldog was something that actually a former JP Morgan guy started. Uh, you know, he grew that from, you know, effectively zero to 150,000 cases before selling that business off to Campari. So a really great outcome. Um, you know, fast forward a few years later, uh, Mighty Quinn's is actually founded by, you know, three of us, myself, uh, two partners, Hugh Mangum and Christos Gormos. Hugh was smoking barbecue out in Brooklyn at these, these weekend foodie markets. And, you know, the lines were instantaneous. And, you know, we, we really saw something special happening there. Was it, was, it, was it Mighty Quinn's at that point or was it a different name? No, it actually was. The, the name that we use today is the name that we had at the markets. So, so any, any, any background? Mighty, who's Mighty Quinn? Yeah, so Quinn is actually Hugh's eldest son. Uh, so it was named after Quinn when we started. And when we opened up our first brick and mortar, you know, we had a little bit of a buzz going on in the New York market. So we kept the name. Got it. Got it. You like how I added that question, Jimmy? That was a good question, right? Shaz, I got to tell you, that may have been the best question you've ever asked. <laughs> the best, the best, Jerry, the best. Listen, to, uh, to kick some things off, because I really feel the podcast starts when, when I start speaking. We are so excited. You don't to, usually stop speaking, Jimmy. Well, there you go. Well, we were so excited that Mighty Quinn's made Fast Casual's top movers and shakers list. And while I fully admit I may be biased, I want our audience, our listeners to know in our industry, this is an incredibly well-lauded recognition and we want to congratulate you uh, for receiving uh, such honors. Um, I think something in particular that sets Mighty Quinn's apart from the competition is the quality of your meats and your products. And you already started to jump into that uh, with, with the smoking of, of the meats and whatnot. For our guests, can you share the secrets or maybe sh at least share some information about, you know, your product sourcing. We know guests today more than ever actually care about, you know, not just what they're eating, uh, but where it came from. So maybe you can talk a little about product sourcing as well as your secret sauce. Pun was absolutely intended. Aracha. Well played. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, I think be being transparent into, you know, where the food is coming from and using clean ingredients is definitely a trend that's very relevant for today and will probably be more so for tomorrow. You know, we're fortunate in that we do a lot of volume and few cuts of meat. So, you know, we're, we're able to kind of go to the farms directly and make sure that, um, you know, our supply sources are there. They know that they're getting very predictable volume for us. So that, that's enabled us to scale and do it consistently. I think, you know, when you talk about any brand, you know, let, let alone proteins, um, you know, having consistency through that growth period is, is super important. And I think, you know, the relationships with, uh, with our vendors have allowed us to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, switching gears a little bit. I mean, look, we love your food. I mean, I'm fortunate I live on the Upper East Side. So uh, I don't know which number store that is, but I think it was one of your maybe second or third store. So I, I, I love it. We get it all the time. The kids love it. We, we pick up, we order in. It's just great. 
just switching now a little bit to technology. I mean, you know, in our restaurants, I consider myself uh, an early adopter to a lot of tech, you know, simply because maybe we got some high profile places. People come to New York to sell tech because there's so many restaurants, you know, myself in, in, in tech. I mean, you are really on top of the tech. You are always looking for the newest, greatest thing. You're testing things, which is one of the reasons that we love you so much, because you really have a lot of the same uh, kind of ideas that we have in our restaurant side. When you talk about technology and, and Mighty Quinn's, what kind of stuff are you using? What are you seeing? What's, what's making it happen? Give us a little of, of what you've put in, what you're looking at to do. Give us more about the technology because you're incredible at that. You're really connecting technology and hospitality, which is what Jimmy and I love. No, I appreciate that. So yeah, you know, back in 2016, we really saw this delivery and takeout trend taking off. So we knew we had to kind of be ahead of the curve. We didn't have a huge, you know, balance sheet to go do things from scratch. So, you know, we did have an app and a web, you know, mobile ordering system, but they didn't talk to each other. You know, they both kind of did what they needed to do. But as we moved, you know, through the pandemic, we realized we needed more of a seamless platform, you know, one system that was, you know, accessible both via app, you know, web, mobile catering um, that customers can use, you know, basically a, a turnkey solution for ordering. So we, we switched over to a new platform, you know, just really a few months ago to, to enable a more seamless guest experience. And I think it's, it's been really good. Uh, you know, we've seen, you know, our, our downloads have increased. The utilization of, of our own native digital platforms have been increasing, which I think is like what every restaurateur in, in, in 2021 is seeking. Um, so we're, we are happy to, you know, accommodate that, but also keep in mind, like these systems live side by side with third party delivery. So it's not that we see just like a native only world for our brand, um, but we think having that, that solution for our guests to utilize outside of the third party world is super important. I got to just say, I just saw an article and I think I shared it with you, Jimmy. I just saw an article today, DoorDash did a study and they said that people prefer to order directly from the restaurant than even using DoorDash. It's incredible. And that's a study came out by DoorDash. If I didn't share it with I will, but it's it, but it's incredible to Misha's point. I mean, people really want to go right to the restaurant they love and order directly. Interesting. Well, I think that that's consistent with one of our themes that in, in every industry I've worked, um, content ultimately, I think, comes out on top. Content wins. Uh, that's what the consumer, especially in a B2C business, uh, consumers want that content that they're, that they're seeking for. And intermediaries can play a role and they can play an incredibly important role. But at the end of the day, that's what they want. And I think the pandemic you know, did shed a light on just how expensive and the relationship venues have with the delivery service platforms, particularly because of the commissions that get charged. So there's no bashing on the DSPs, the delivery service platforms here, but to Misha's point, the criticality around getting people to order direct and embrace the brand uh, cannot be overstated. So I appreciate that Misha said that, that, that Chats, you highlighted it, and that my new BFF at DoorDash is highlighting it as well. That's pretty cool. I want to get back, um, you know, we just got back, I should say, um, from our first trade show since, uh, we you know, last Jimmy, didn't we? In a post pandemic, it was. And actually, it was, uh, I think the first conference um, was really uh, well, well, I don't say well timed as much as the topic. You know, the big buzz now is ghost kitchens. And it was, this, was, this was the ghost kitchen conference. You know, the ghost kitchen can be referred to as a dark kitchen, a virtual kitchen, virtual restaurant. There's lots of different nomenclatures around it. But it was great to be back on the road. Um, we, we, we had a really good time. We scratched the cocktail party we threw yeah. with the first. First night, Jimmy. I'm mean, got a hundred people there. Yep, old friends, new friends. It was all good. It was a hug fest. Um, 
It was a hug fest. Uh, but I think the whole idea of the virtual kitchen concept being the first event back was fitting on in part on how our industry has shifted. So, so Misha, you know, you know, Mighty Quint entered this space, we know, um, particularly uh, in a partnership with with our friends over at Otto's Taco. Uh, Otto's a good friend of Brandit's. Uh, we are always a big fan of his brick and mortar stores, uh, Shatsy's Boys. If it wasn't Mighty Quint's Barbecue, uh, it was Otto's Taco. Otto's Tacos. Yep. And, um, and we're personally very excited that Otto's, uh, which did as a result of the pandemic, closed down all their, uh, their physical locations. But we love that they connected with you and started operating a virtual delivery only restaurant out of Mighty Quinn's. Can you share uh, maybe how that partnership came about and also the experience in turning one of your own kitchens into a shared space and, and actually really driving a virtual restaurant and that being Otto's Taco? Yeah, sure. So, so first off, you know, both Otto and myself are from California. So we, uh, we have a passion for street tacos. Let me just start with that. So Otto actually opened up his flagship location just a few blocks away from our flagship location in the East Village. So we have known those guys for, you know, coming up on a decade. And when they weren't able to reopen their uh, their network of stores, you know, we saw an opportunity to really utilize the kitchen space um, in our operation and, and relaunch them as a delivery only brand. You know, similar to Mighty Quinn's, Otto's does a few things, but does does them very well. And that, that was right up our alley um, with that, without having to add, you know, a bunch of new in, uh, ingredients or cooking process to our kitchen. Uh, it kind of clicked right in, uh, obviously a non-competitive category, uh, but obviously protein centric as well, just being Mexican food. So really, you know, all, everything aligned uh, with, with what we were looking for in terms of bringing on a new digital brand. And we have uh, the first location up and running in the Upper East Side. And, you know, so far we've, we've been really happy. That's awesome. We love Otto. We love, uh, we love what you guys are doing. And it's incredible that, again, not only uh, do you have incredible insight into, you know, being an early adopter to technology, but I think, you know, having the insight of this whole running multiple brands out of a brick and mortar, it's just another sales channel. So bringing, you know, having Otto's coming out of your your mighty quinn's brick and mortar it's just it's great and to jimmy's point when we went down to that ghost kitchen conference you're you're there and you see the folks there and it's you're you're really in the early stages of this virtual cloud kitchen whatever you want to call it it's really incredible so i think it's going to be a fun ride to see how people embrace this and how folks like yourself uh really put brands into your brick and mortar. Uh, let's touch base a little bit about some of the other things you're doing. Not just are you doing Otto's Tacos, uh, you know, another virtual brand, but you're also doing a lot of online. You're selling a lot of um, product through a good friend of ours and branded uh, Gold Belly, which is just a fantastic platform, which again, he's just lit it up during this pandemic. You know, Joe Ariel's a good friend. We've known him for years. So tell us a little about what you're doing over there at Gold Belly and, 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 and what kind of products you're selling and just getting that name across the country. So now you said that you're really kind of New York, New Jersey uh, centric, but yet I can be anywhere in the country. And what can I get and how fast? And Yeah, so Gold Belly has been great. You know, we, we've been on the platform for a while. Um, I think we've always been, you know, a, a top five, if not a top three vendor on the barbecue side. So we are basically shipping, you know, via one or two day air. Uh, frozen barbecue. It's all fully smoked and ready to go. Everything gets rethermed at home. And, you know, obviously through, through the pandemic, we saw this business, you know, go up by probably a multiple of three. And you know, we were in the unique position because we have this fairly large, you know, central commissary operation where 
if we need to ship out, you know, for example, 300, you know, eight pound briskets in a week, like we have the capacity to do that. And, you know, it's run by a very t- talented team um, on the executive chef side. So, you know, Gold Belly really played into the trends that we saw last year. People, you know, not only experiencing more of their meals through like outside the restaurant, but also in their own homes through mail order. You know, we never would have thought this would have become such a big business, but I think, you know, COVID probably pulled forward, you know, three to five years of demand. And we kind of found ourselves in a much higher demand situation for, for mail order barbecue. Yeah, I love um, I love their thesis of, you know, kind of curating the best of. And I think it's a great win, not just for Goldbelly, but clearly for Mighty Quinn's to be recognized uh, throughout the country as providing the best in class. I want to shift gears a little bit, and this might uh, surprise uh, some, some, some of our listeners, uh, but I want to talk about SOAP. And no, that's not an acronym uh, for something, uh, you know, uh, you know, secretive or spectacular. I'm talking about soap. Uh, when you think of barbecue, yeah, most people may not first uh, think about soap, although maybe they should, especially if it's really good and saucy uh, barbecue. Um, but, but Misha, can you share with us um, an aha moment that inspired uh, you to repurpose fat from your meat into rustic bars of soap? How is it made? And more importantly, where can people buy it? Um, what, does know, it smell and, like? what does it smell uh, like? What does it smell like? You know, unless we're about to tell people like we're having an Oprah moment and look under your chair and you get a bar of soap, listener, and you get a bar of soap. No, seriously, I don't even think most people even know what you're doing in this, in the product you've created. But so please enlighten us on, on the Mighty Quinn's transition into soap. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, our whole organization is very mindful about trying to be as sustainable as possible, um, you know, and really limiting our, our impact on the environment. As part of, you know, having brisket being such a high percentage of our sales, we, we butcher a lot of meat. And, uh, you know, a byproduct of that is, you know, this organic beef fat that was really going straight into the garbage. And we were spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to repurpose this material and, you know, one of the things that we came across was uh, beef tallow, which is really just you take that fat, you render it down to tallow. And we were, you know, one of the oldest uses of natural beef tallow is, is to make soap. And so our soap is pretty simple. It's got really four ingredients. It's tallow, lye, peppermint oil, and organic uh, coconut charcoal. So it's, it smells like peppermint. It's, so it's it, doesn't, a, it doesn't smell like, uh, like, like pork belly. No, it does not smell like pork belly. If you want, that's the pork, good because I don't want, know if people really want to do that. No, if you want the pork belly scent, you just got to order some pork belly and dab behind the ears. Okay, because <laughs> that's what Jimmy likes to do. He puts barbecue sauce as cologne. Yeah, yeah. So no, so the soap has been great. Uh, it's available on our website, uh, and it's really Can you get just, that on Gold Belly also. No, we haven't put it on Gold Belly. It's actually not a bad idea, but for now, it's it's just on our website. No, no charge for that one there. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, well, that's that's fantastic. I, I, I got to get some of that soap, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show um, because there's going to be a special offer, Jimmy, and I don't want to blow it yet. But uh, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, because there's so much. I mean, I got to tell you, you soap, you're selling stuff on Gold Belly, you're a technology guy, you got gin, you finance guy. There's so much going on here. Mighty Quinn's, you got Otto's Tacos, Ghost Kitchens. I don't know. You got your hands in a lot of pots there. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you're doing a lot of stuff with, um, you know, expanding into uh, stadiums, you know, which I think, you know, the, the whole experience of stadiums today, it's not just going to watch the team. You, you, you got to have great food. You got to have great, you know, booze and beer and cocktails. You got to have great seats. You got to have great screens. You got to have everything's got to be great. So you're in, in, uh, in Yankee Stadium, big Yankee fan here. You're at the Garden, right? I mean, two, I mean, I think probably two of the most iconic 
stadiums in the world is Madison Square Garden Yankee Stadium. Um, what and we and we just lost we just lost all our Boston listeners on that one comment alone. All folks in Boston just literally turned. Well, off. I didn't say that the Yankees <laughs> as team. I didn't. But I mean, they they are. I, I, who has more world champions? But let's not get into that. I mean, look. Uh, let's just. I hope that's not true, Jimmy. I love everybody, <laughs> and and I hope everybody continues to listen. But let's just talk a bit. Of how are things going? At your stadiums, I mean, let's not talk about the pandemic. I know things are, but just in general, how are things going in in, in Yankee Stadium, Madison Square Garden? Are you bringing it to other stadiums? And and just a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so you know, when when they approached us, you know, my, my partners and I were nervous. Like, how do you ensure that the food is going to be the same? This is before our franchise initiative. How, you know, how do we ensure that the Mighty Quinn's experience will will be the same as our restaurants when we're not? We're not, you know, that the team working those restaurants are not our employees, right? So, you know, we were we were very happy to see that the people and you know, who work in the stadium locations, you know, they're really career restaurant employees. They they've been there for years. It's it's a substantially lower turnover versus you know our industry in, in brick and mortar. So once we've trained these teams up, I mean, they really attack it with a passion. They're back season after season, so you know the, the retraining dilemmas is, is no longer an issue. And, you know, obviously we've limited the menu uh, for stadium food. But I think, you know, to your point, yeah, hot dogs and, and chicken fingers doesn't cut it anymore. Like people are going to these games, to these events. They want like a real experience. And, and food is such an integral part of that. You know, we were super excited to, to bring barbecue to that equation. And I what's, think what are the best what's the best selling items that you have? I know it's a limited menu, but what like what's the kind of stuff that sells the best? Yeah. So probably, you know, burnt ends and dirty fries, which is, you know, our dirty, <laughs> which, which is fries covered with shredded burnt ends, our spicy wing sauce, some cilantro, some red onion. It, yeah, those, that sounds those, good. Those Wash beers, that down yeah. with a nice beer. Oh, that oh, yeah. sounds good. Oh, yeah. And then at the garden, we do the we do our version of the McRib and that's spelled MQ, not MC. R.I.B. Aha. You see what he did there, Jimmy? See I see what he did. Yes. Uh, so that's, you know, that's done with all natural uh, baby back ribs, you know, deboned black cherry barbecue sauce made in house. It's insane. So, you know, we bring something a little special to the stadium locations and we're obviously super stoked that, you know, games are back, um, you know, especially at outdoor venues. That is awesome. More things at Yankee Stadium now. Have you seen like the numbers? I mean, because now the capacity is like a hundred percent. Are things like rocking and rolling over there? Yeah, they're they're cranking. I mean, they they do a phenomenal job of just cranking volume and it really lasts throughout the whole game. So it, it's 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 really fun to see in action. So the food's better than their record, huh? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay. And Chatsy wins our Boston friends back. All right. Hey, let's, go. let's talk about expansion and franchising. Uh, currently, Mighty Quinn's, as we just talked about, has locations um, just in New York and, and New Jersey. But maybe you could tell us, you know, what's next? Where are you headed? And how can guests request locations in their towns? Sure. Well, we, we have a very simple, you know, guest submission form on our website. So people are welcome to go check out mightyquinsbbq.com and email us, you know, any questions or comments. But in terms of like franchise locations, yeah, we're going to be opening up some some new restaurants, uh, you know, both in our, you know, Northeast territory, but also moving, moving down the coast. Um, we haven't fully announced details yet, but, you know, Tampa Bay, Florida, uh, Maryland, um, potentially some West Coast operations that that's all in the pipeline for us. So we're pretty excited. I love when we have big announcements like this, Jimmy. Look at that. We just got another little golden nugget of information. Yep, CNBC has nothing on us. We're the ones breaking Not, news. We're breaking we're news. news, man. We break news here, man. This is this is huge, huge. But listen, 
that's exciting stuff. So, I mean, Florida sounds great. Um, you know, as a fellow operator, uh, you know, we, we, I think we, if we made a list of uh, kind of uh, things that there are pain points in the restaurant space, I think we'd probably come up with a very similar list. Um, t- can you give us a little bit about what are the kind of things right now keeping, keeping you up at night regarding uh, Mighty Quinn's? Like, uh, give us a, 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 a few of the things that are really keeping you up at night. Yeah, I think it's really the, the broad trends you, you read about in the paper. You know, staffing challenges is pretty material, material right now. Yeah. And probably what's played into that is, you know, just resource shortages. So we're seeing a lot of cost inflation. But I personally think like a lot of this is transitory. And, you know, if, if we group probably end of this year, a lot of those are going to be kind of in the rearview mirror. So fortunately, you know, it's, it's really short-term pain. And I think, you know, the overwhelming benefit is going to be just emerging out of this pandemic and getting back to, you know, business as usual, um, you know, with above trend growth, you know, that, that's, that's more exciting than kind of, you know, the short-term pain of dealing with some of these other challenges. I think that's great. Um, before we close out, you know, this section and move on to the next, um, I just want to talk just a little more about the digital transformation that's happening in our industry. You know, we had a good laugh recently with another guest uh, on the Hangout uh, that shared that operators did not get into the restaurant business uh, to be in the data management business or, or you know, it becoming, a, you know, diligence experts in all things tech. And I think the same can be, uh, you know, same rings true, you know, when it comes to the hands-on and people-facing and the operators, as they're learning to navigate in this new digital world, maybe uh, specifically, what advice uh, do you have for operators that are interested in going digital? Sure. You know, the, the restaurant tech stack is, is a little unique. Like, you know, if, imagine if you had to buy like your steering wheel and your engine from two different companies and then put it together yourself into a car, right? That That's kind of the way that the tech stack is currently built in restaurants. And obviously that's going to change because it's a very inefficient system. So, you know, I would say my, my advice would be before you implement anything, you know, obviously the providers always give a very rosy view of, of what the experience is going to be like with their product. I always encourage people to talk to end users who are already using these systems. Um, because you get you get a lot of good information, and oftentimes these tech solutions are are not super expensive, but they do take a lot of time. And you know, before you dedicate the resources to get things onboarded, I would just recommend that you you know fully explore other people's opinions of of some of these various services. You know, I I know we're going to jump into this next section, but that comment you made about the steering wheel and the engine, you know, we hear from the largest restaurant groups. Definitely stealing that, by the way. I can see him using it next week. And I will give attribution to our friend Misha. No, you will not. Well, probably not. Um, (laughs) But the the, whether you're the biggest restaurant group or the smallest, the the word we keep hearing about is bundled. We are a very fragmented industry, and we're also our tech stack, as you just highlighted, is incredibly fragmented, and it's very frustrating to operators. And I, I think that's something we're seeing quickly changing, not just the new initiatives, but how companies are coming together to offer a more seamless uh, solution. So I think there's a lot more to come uh, in that respective. I want to move on to what we are call our talking back section of the, of the podcast. While Shats and I launched this because we like talking to folks and asking them questions and sharing their views with our listeners, we learned along the way that some of our guests, um, they had some questions for us. So with that in mind, uh, Misha, it's time for talking back. And we invite you and uh, give you the chance to ask us anything you like and nothing is off the table. Misha, the microphone's yours. It's a family show. Just remind him it's a family show. Right, I'm, family I'm gonna, show. I'm going I'm to keep this PG then, I guess. Um, okay. Look, I think we talk about tech a lot and we talk about like, you know, things that are so far away from what used to be discussed around food. Like at the end of the day, we make great food, right? So 
what's what was the most memorable restaurant experience you had caught in the last five years where you spent less than 50 bucks Ooh, that's a fan that's a fantastic question shats do you want to go first do you want it you want you want me to take it I got to think about this, Jimmy. I mean, holy moly, that's a good question. Yeah, Jimmy, All right. You go first. I'm, jump, I'm jumping in. I um, I will say what comes to the top of my mind, since you asked a direct question, um, I went down to Chinatown and went over to the uh, Golden Unicorn and had a dim sum experience. It's not something I do very often, nothing I've done very often. And I have to say that a friend and I, uh, went down and the carts are flowing by and everything was so fresh. I mean, some of the things being cooked on the carts, it felt like a really uh, eclectic and, a, and very diverse customer base and, and also felt like it had connected with the local community. Um, it felt like a neighborhood joint and we were welcomed and they were hospitable. And I got to tell you, I was tasting things and trying things I hadn't had um, ever. Um, and really, you know, I felt, I felt it was very authentic, um, at least by my standards or lack, lack of experience in that domain, but really had a great time for under the price point of which you said. Yeah, no, that's a great one, Jimmy. Uh, you know, five years, I was thinking Nathan's Franks and those fries that I, you know, and I, and I was in Coney Island, like, uh, you know, obviously it was like not last year, but the year before, cause I guess we were just with the Nathan's guys. So I was reminding myself how delicious the fries and the Frank was. But then I was also thinking, I was in Mexico City a couple of years back and just the street tacos there, you know, it was just unbelievable. And let me tell you, it was way under 50 bucks. I think the beers were a quarter. <laughs> this last segment was sponsored by Nathan's Famous. Um, and Chats, you were asked for one experience and you gave two. So don't always make fun of me for being the guy that talks too much. But I respect your answer. Uh, street Tacos was the second. And our friend at Nathan's, uh, who we do dig, and they do have the best Frank. Excellent, Misha. Excellent, excellent question. Chatsy, uh, you are yeah, up, no, my friend. Go. I'm going to go right to the uh, top of the text stack. We touched a little bit about this, Misha. But if you had to give any advice to an operator, I know that we're going to check before we you know, introduce any new technology you recommend, you know, speaking to a few operators who are using the tech and that's great advice, but let's just talk a little about if, if there's any tech that you could recommend to an operator right now, like what would the most important piece of technology be outside of, let's say, obviously the point of sale system, what would be the next most important piece of technology an operator has to have right now oh, in their tech stack to you know, be successful. What is it from your opinion? All right. I'm going to have to give two answers on this one. So you're allowed. I will, I will permit two. All right. Two. Okay. So the first is a little contrary to your, your setup. You know, sometimes the best decisions are the ones that you turn down, right? So for new restaurants that are opening that are still looking at server-based POS systems, that just makes my stomach churn. I see these quotes for, for single restaurant locations, 30 grand, $40,000, which is just completely absurd. And so 1990s, right? So I would first encourage everyone to use a cloud-based POS. They are, you know, a, a tenth, if not lower than those, those prices that I just mentioned, and, and they work a hell of a lot better. So, so that's number one. Number two, I think having the right data filter on, on your tech stack is important. You got to know who you're selling to and what you're selling. So utilizing the, uh, the, you know, third-party data integrations, uh, you know, companies like Chowley, which basically connect third-party data to your POS. So you have, you know, transparency into that check. This way you can actually run your reports, you know, your day part sales, you know, where your revenue channels are going and, and what's selling on those channels. I think having that data is super important. 
I love it. I would have to agree with you on the cloud-based POS. I agree. And I think uh, the data and things like that are, uh, yeah, those are, those are great ones. Appreciate that. Well done, Shatsy, because I know Misha is really, now he'll sleep better at night knowing that you agreed with him. That's uh, <laughs> that's the key thing there, buddy. Are you like shaming it. me right now? Because I'm I, feeling a little shamed right now, and I don't appreciate it. Uh, I'm not sure I was shaming you. I could have been bullying you. I could have been bullying. I'm not sure. Okay. Guess um I could have been gaslighting. We're going through Shatsy's favorite new vocabulary. Just learn. All right. I don't know what it means, but I love it. All right. It's time for our crystal ball moment, a chance where we, uh, Misha, we ask our guests to put on their uh, Kreskin or Miss Cleo hat uh, and predict the future. So how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and technology? Ooh, I like I like this question a lot. This is the best one. It was my I, I came up with the segment. I came up with the segment. All right. So let, 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 let me preface this one. You guys remember when Netflix was sending DVDs to your house, right? So you know, I still they, I still have one. I haven't sent back yet, by the way. <laughs> so you know they were they were basically in the distribution business at that time, right? And who would have guessed? You know, twenty years later, these guys are back in Scorsese movies, right? Re- really, yeah. really, really transformational. Okay, so now they're now they're in distribution and content. Yep. So if you look at third party delivery world, you know they're also in the distribution business. But I think in two years, they're also going to get into the content business. Oh, so they're getting not, into it already, aren't they? Right. Exactly. So it's not Scorsese films, but you know, name brand chefs, large corporate restaurant brands. I think will all start becoming you know in house under those roofs, and so. When you think about that, there's this huge disintermediation risk for restaurants as we travel into the future. I think you need to be strategic about how you position and, and differentiate what you're doing. So, for example, for Mighty Quinn's, you know, we smoke briskets, briskets for 20 hours. You know, our category has a nice moat around it, I think. And I think we do a killer job on replicating that process at scale. But, you know, when you think about maybe pizzas or burgers, you know, these are definitely at-risk categories. So I think as we look at how market share shifts over the next two years, those third-party guys are going to grow in terms of the actual kitchen work, which implies everything else is either going to be flat or maybe even shrinking relative to the, the, the overall pie that's growing. So I think that's going to be a big trend. Basically, you know, the third-party guys are the Netflix of today. They're going to get into the content, a.k.a. the food business, out of their own kitchens. You know, Misha, as a fellow operator, I welcome anyone to come into our business it's it's a great business. I welcome anyone to come in and create great food and great experiences. No easy task, but I welcome it. All right. So I say, bring it on. <laughs> Let's jump in. But I think you're I think you're, you're you're spot on, and and I and and I see we we see it happening already. The third party platforms are creating their own brands already, and it's it's going to be interesting next couple of years. So you're spot on with that. Uh, and Jimmy and I are big fans of uh, you know content wins. And, uh, you know, you've got a great brand and great content. So uh, I think that you will be definitely on top and, and a winner. Uh, let's jump into quick fire. Real, this, is the, this really is the best uh, segment of the podcast. I've got numerous calls, emails. A lot of people just are always writing me letters about how much they like this segment. <laughs> I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. And just first answer comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready now. Nice. Are you ready now? I'm ready. If you were to be a professional athlete, what would be your sport? Uh, tennis. Just a man in his racket. <laughs> Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Tonight. Uh, match 65. H- huge burger. Love that place, by the way. Yeah, Love that. Jimmy, that's up by us. Great burgers. What's your favorite food city in the world? Uh, I don't have a favorite of anything, so I'm going to give you three. Uh, New York City. 
uh, Tokyo and uh, my hometown of LA. Awesome. When travel resumes to complete normalcy, what's the first place you want to go and visit? Uh, let's say the Amalfi Coast. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Now you, got, now you got Jimmy all choked up there. That's, I mean, that's Jimmy's place. If you were to challenge Jimmy Rye to a game of pin the tail on the donkey, who would you have better odds of beating? All right, I haven't seen you guys play this game, so I have no, no data here to go off of. I'm, I'm going to think I could beat Chatsy. <laughs> a pin the tail on the donkey, Jimmy? I can't. I've- I mean, come on, that's my game. I, I thought I, th- I thought our producer uh, lowered the uh, the threshold to really give you a fighting chance, but when in doubt, the answer, I could beat Shad's, usually comes up. I think it's good. I respect it. Every birthday party when I was young, I mean, spin you around, and I was always a kill. I mean, I'd put the tail on every – I can't I, – I love, I love pin the tail. we got to bring that game back. Yeah, we'll bring it back. It's a bar game that's been destined. It's merely – you know, there's billiards, there's darts, there's shuffleboards, and I know people have been craving for pin the tail on the donkey. Hey, Jimmy, you get a couple beers, you go a little – come on, you bring a little pin the tail on donkey, any bar, you're going to have a lot I like of it, and most importantly, I think that brings my record to like 38-2 and two of uh, of not being yeah, selected. Not good Wasn't for good. me. Thanks, Misha. I appreciate that. I mean, all I did was build you up, build you up, and this is what you Listen, did. Misha, we wanted okay. to thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast and for sharing your great insights. Uh, we appreciate uh, your hard work supporting the industry, uh, not just during this uh, most challenging time, but always. Um, if you want to get in touch with Misha directly, uh, you'll email the branded team at podcast at brandedstrategic.com. That's- but doesn't Misha live in New York City? Why don't we just give his address? People can go visit him. Yeah, well, that's we find that giving out uh, home addresses and, uh, and cell phone numbers is frowned upon in this establishment. So you can email branded at podcast at brandedstrategic.com, and we'd be happy uh, to make the introduction. I teased at the top of the show, and I mentioned my dad, and I'm going to bring him back in just for a moment. I said that Mighty Queens is my dad's favorite barbecue joint, but I, I my dad had an experience where it was like the movie No Country for Old Men, where he was trying to uh, call and he wanted to order food. My dad's an analog guy in a digital age, and you guys are technologically advanced. And he's like, I I need a hot phone. I need a bat phone directly so I can order food. And I told him, uh, you're on the podcast with us. My dad's like, can you get me Misha's number so I can call him when I want food? And Misha just, you you know. You have Misha's number. Right. And I told my dad, dad, tell you what, you call me. I'll place the order on their website. I'll I'll take care of you. But I did want to bring up that my dad wanted your number because he loves your food. He wants to order direct. I told him I'd take care of it, but a shout out to your store. So, for wait, uh, could, could Jimmy's dad call you direct anytime he wants to order? That would be awesome. Uh, I don't think that's in our tech stack capabilities. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good answer. Good well, answer. I, just before you get to the end of this, uh, wrap it up. I did want to, you know, we said we'd have a special offer, Jimmy, and uh, Misha was kind enough to offer uh, a free bar of soap uh, made with uh, whatever he's making it out of from uh, leftover something or others. And uh, so a free bar of soap to all listeners today. Uh, all we need is just ping us at podcast at Brandon Strategic. Give us your address and Misha will ship out a free bar of soap. So that's that's pretty awesome. And Misha will give you Shati's personal credit card to pay for all those bars of soap. Perfect. Thank you. We'll take care of that. Um, to our soap. 
to our listeners. Hat? Free hat? No, no free stuff, man. No free junk. No free stuff. Um, not today. To our listeners, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and we appreciate that you choose to hang out with us. Um, I'm very excited to announce, and it, it kind of goes really great together. We had Misha and his fantastic barbecue joint, and next time on the podcast, we're going to welcome our good friend, Mr. Josh Goodman, founder and CEO of Innovative Tap Solutions, does business as the infamous Pour My Beer. Uh, Josh and his Pour My Beer team are leading the self-pour revolution, and I think it's going to be a really good time. And I'll also I highlight like – might get dirty, Jimmy. It, it could go that way. But Josh is a great guy, and we're excited to have him. Uh, and if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of the exciting guests we'll have coming up in the future. And better yet, please invite a friend to hang out with us the next hey, time. Jimmy, I just got your note about telling your dad's story. Sorry about that, but uh... – but look, we got both things in there. We got the free soap and your dad's story. I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. Thanks for that. Um, it's all good. Listen, Misha, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, can't wait till we're out eating in person. Again, we appreciate what you do. So this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, uh, signing off and passing it to Shatsy. This is uh, the restaurant guy, a.k.a. Shatsy, for Hospitality Hangout. Misha, this was awesome. If you haven't, guys, if you haven't checked out Mighty Quinn's Barbecue, get over there because let me tell you something, it is delicious. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.